0: To much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, we have Jeff Blackham here with us today in Waterloo, Canada. And I remember when I was a kid from Mississauga getting on a bus in high school, going all the way to the University of Waterloo. And they had these things called computers. And they had these. uh, decks of cards that you had to punch in the thing, and you ran your little program, and it was so exciting, and we thought one day these computer things are going to catch on.
1: My goodness, you might be older than me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, how long have you been in the real estate
1: business? Umar, I've been in the real estate business for six years now. I started August 18th of 2016.
0: That happens to be my birthday, August 18th. Great day. Great day. Yeah, so uh, uh, what were you thinking real estate would be like versus what it ended up actually, uh, uh, what the reality was? was? Was there a disconnect between what you thought and what happened? Um,
1: wow, what an interesting question. I don't know that I really put a lot of thought into what I thought real estate would be like. Um, I came from a background of selling products as opposed to services, and I'd had enough of that world when I was uh, in my early 40s. And uh, I decided I wanted to try the real estate game because I would had many people tell me through the years that I'd be really good at it. And I was pretty nervous about selling service. So I think that was the big, I will call it the drunk monkey that I was having with myself. But what would it look like to sell service and sell, you know, a list of skills that I knew that I had in regards to selling but not maybe marketing or operations side. And uh, yeah, it uh, where it's gone from, I guess, what my initial inceptions would have been, would have been to have more freedom in the job, more more time to be able to be with family. And certainly starting out, that wasn't the case. Um, I was definitely the 90 to 110 hour a week uh, agent in the first two years of the business. Um, and as I started to scale up and get repeat and referral business, that didn't necessarily soften. It just kind of transitioned to make it a little bit easier of having systems in place and models in place that worked.
0: Brilliant. And I think that's one of the misconceptions coming into the business. I'm going to have freedom of time. And it's like, yes, but you will pay uh, financially for that freedom. And you need to work it like any other job. It's it's been the theme today. I was talking to this brilliant guy in Toronto, uh, Monty Burris, and he was just saying, look, it's a job and you need to treat it like a job and not like a hobby. Because if you treat it like a hobby, you get paid like a hobby. Yeah. hundred percent.
1: I'm going to add one thing to that. Um, You know, I I will say that in real estate through every year that I've been a realtor, I've worked much harder than in any role where i worked for somebody else as a sales rep or a manager or key accounts rep or whatever. Um, But even though I'm working longer hours, working harder, working more diligently, the rewards that I receive uh, personally, just the feelings that I get out of the role that I play for my clients, are far superior and well worth the time that I put into the role uh, outside of what I used to do for somebody else. And I think that's been the biggest change for me is not recognizing the, the internal feelings that I would have for and how rewarding it would be outside of financially just to help right. people that are in my world and be successful with what their goals are. I had no
0: idea I had that inside of me. So that was a big shift. Brilliant. And so tell me how your relationship changed with your community because before you were just like a, a citizen working for somebody else. And now all of a sudden you're, you're more part of the community when you're a realtor than uh, most people realize. So how did it change that relationship? Um, I would
1: say I put out a, a lot more content with regards to community dynamics for real estate specifics. I'm not as much the realtor that dives into this restaurant over here and that particular shop right. over there. I know it's a great lead source for people to be able to generate opportunity. I'm more about providing value in terms of the market dynamics, the ebbs, the flows, and specific to investment in the area because I really do like touching people that way to help them grow their financial wealth, to secure their family's well-being long-term. So I, I would say that's probably where I step up the most for my community is to be, be able to provide them with a really knowledgeable resource as an investor specialist in how to grow their platforms for their families.
0: Brilliant. So. Uh...
1: Are you part of a team or do you have a team? I have a team, yeah. So I run a small team with uh, two agents to admin um, and myself. And we've been, we have been—we started the team back in January of 2021 as mm-hmm. we were going through the craziness. So it's been a really interesting journey the last number of months going through our shift uh, parameters as we go through the downward cycle of our marketplace. And it's, uh, it's really, really exciting learning curves. Um, the team and I are both are all really really excited to watch what happens in the business as you know so many realtors that aren't productive aren't doing the right things in the business get out of the business in the next eighteen months because it means a lot more opportunity to help more people.
0: I think so. Uh, so, what do you, if you had a crystal ball, you wouldn't be talking to me. But if you had one, uh, <laughs> where do you think this market is uh, is where is this industry going? Oh, like, do you think in ten years? There's still going to be realtors, but uh, my suspect, not as many of them. And yeah. so what do you perceive the market to be in 10 years? So that's a really
1: great question. I have these conversations a fair bit. So asking where I think the market is going or where I think the industry is going are two very different dynamics. So um, I, I, maybe it's I'll focus industry. on that. Yeah, let's go industry for the for the next 10 years. So I think the real estate agent as they exist today will not exist the same way. I think you're going to have... A couple of one-off single agents that have the ability, the drive, the mentality to be able to do the thing, but the vast majority of agents will be a part of teams going forward, or will we running their own teams? Right. Um, that is if they exist in 10 years. And I say that with little asterisks. Um, we bring a lot of value to the marketplace for our relationship development and our knowledge. Um, that is the number one thing that makes a realtor successful, aside from work ethic and, and drive, is being able to bring the right value adds to our clients throughout their process from a relationship perspective and being there and touching them the right ways. Um, the team isn't going to change that. That will continue. And actually, I think team will improve the client-based experience on the back end because there will be far more systems and models in place that are successful as people have built their teams up that will allow new agents coming into the marketplace to have their financial goals and their personal goals achieved that much faster through the process and ultimately achieve their the goals of their clients what i see as being the number one disruptor in this industry is ai and i just i see the speed with which ai is developing Um, i'm embedded in some platforms right now that analyze my emails and my zoom calls and basically give me a not a printout per se, but a top-level synopsis Mm -hmm. of what those clients are and how well I integrate with them, along with suggestions for me on how to better converse with them or better engage with them at their level to give them the things that they need and ultimately add more value. Now, that's one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin is this wonderful template of AI that's having phone dialogues right now, with hair salon receptionists to schedule appointments for executive administrators and it's all computer-based and the person on the other end of that line doesn't know anything about it being an ai system that's calling them yes i believe that in the next five years or so with the speed things are going the technology that understands the dynamic of the client will embed itself with the technology that has those conversations in a very humanistic fashion and I think we're going to see a pretty significant spike in our business for certain teams that can pay for those systems that yeah. allow them to have ongoing, you know, 18 hour day conversations with cold calling or lead generation or lead follow-up. And, but at some point in time, the majority of those conversations now supplant what the agent is offering to their clients. So we will more or less become a phone call to open up a door for a computer system that has had that dialogue with the client at the right point in time, right? a $50 fee to do a showing, right? So do I think that that's going to be exclusively what happens? Absolutely not. There's enough embedded agents that are out there that have these long lasting embedded relationships that they've developed for years, that those clients will never work with somebody else, but in time that will fade away. And all of the new business that's coming on will appreciate The speed with which these communications are taking place from an AI system, giving them the value they need at the right points in time. So I think that we have a shelf life, to be quite honest with you. Um, For what we do, the way that it is done today, I think it will evolve. I don't know if it's ever going to go away completely. Um, I would would use Travelocity as the example, like looking at the online platforms for
0: travel. That's a really good uh, good example. And also, you know, certainly things like Uber, which, you know, revolutionized taxis, but all of a sudden now they're talking about automated self-driving cars are going to come in and just edge it forward. And as we get more sophisticated on the AI, I'm going to know that Jeff prefers this kind of accent and that AI is going to use that. And instead of, uh, I've heard of things in the past where there's like a call center in India is like... Jeff's in New York, so I'm going to say, oh, how about those Nijets, which, you know, humans <laughs> get that wrong, but the AI right. will not get that wrong.
1: Not the first time, but they it might get it wrong the first time, but it will learn.
0: Brilliant. There was this, uh, right. do you remember uh, well, hearing of, you're not that old, but Turing, uh, one of the founders of uh, computers, and one of his things was the Turing test that if a human being can have a conversation and he was thinking text at best back then uh, with a machine and not know it for 20 minutes, that computers would have arrived. And that's long past. Long past. Yep. There was this yeah. one guy who was actually an expert in uh, AI and bots. And you know he's just researching it deep into it. And then of course, uh, you know, he's a human being and he, he needs love. And he started uh, texting with this woman who turned out to be a bot for no months kidding. before he knew it. And it no was just kidding. a mistype once that he mistyped. And the answer that came back was weird. And it was like, oh my God, I got duped for like by some horny AI somewhere in Russia. But uh, right. it's a scheme
1: of some sort, right?
0: Yeah. An and yeah. Uh, so as you think about, uh, you know, you've got this team. One of the things that we we really like as human beings is familiarity and so if i like jeff and i'm working with one of jeff's people i want the same look and feel of that experience certainly it's going to be another human being but it's not going to be radically different in terms of intent integrity uh, and kind of the level of warmth that you have Shouldn't change from agent to agent. So, how are you ensuring that the two peeps you have right now, and if you do expand a little bit, how you keep, how you define uh, the relationship you want with a client, and how do you ensure that's happening?
1: Oh, that's a great question. So, we do have a, a series of measures that we have in place, expectations in terms of frequency of contact, frequency of communication, frequency of showings for our buyers. Um, you know touch points that we have checklists that we have for our systems um, as well as a, a measure or a standard of execution uh, with which we we don't fall below so we set that standard for anybody that we would onboard with our team going forward um, so that they understand that we our minimum standards have to be upheld so that we're providing that top-level service to our clients um, in communication in value add in ex- execution the ways that we know to do it because I think the most important thing that agents forget, they always think about their bottom line as agents. It's not about that. It's about making sure that our clients' goals are achieved to the best of our abilities at the level and speed with which they require them to be. And in my experience, it's always best from the buyer's perspective to move them forward relatively quickly because it can be very draining on them to go through their processes long term. It's obviously great to sell a property quickly. It doesn't always happen in the shifting marketplace. Um, But there are ways of navigating the clients the right ways and having the right conversations, making sure that we have the right scripts and dialogues in in hand for when conversations take a left turn for us as well. Um, And also embedding some humor. Uh, That's one of the biggest things that I think that agents forget is that we are having relationship development conversations with our clients. We have goals in mind. We have executions in mind. We have our own financial goals in mind as well, because we're running a business. But it's really important to inject humor in everything that we do, little bits here and there, because that's what solidifies the relationship is the bond that we're creating with those people.
0: It doesn't work nice. 100% of the time, but
1: it's pretty consistent. Yeah,
0: That's brilliant. So are you seeing an expansion of your team coming up or uh, going gonna to status quo for a while?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, at the beginning of this year, when you asked the question, yes, I was looking at expansion of the team. Um, I still am uncertain. I think is where I will say at this point in time. I like I like I like the team that we have together. I love what we're developing, and I'm really happy with it. We've had some agents that have been onboarded and offboarded very quickly, um, as well as some staff members that have been onboarded and offboarded. And I'm just from a personal level, I find that portion of the business relatively frustrating. I can continue to transact lots of deals, help my team to transact lots of deals through the right scripts, dialogues, support, accountability. Um, I just came off a mastermind call an hour ago, kind of going around through some of this conversation topic. Um, it becomes very difficult as we go through this shifting marketplace to have to emotionally support lots and lots of people. So one of the biggest things that I'm learning as I go through my journey about whether I'm going to expand or whether I'm going to keep it here where we are. Um, I'm sure it would expand either way a little bit, but trying to decide whether it's going to be small team up to five individuals, or if I'm going to look at a mega team of 25 plus is partly that emotional component, partly that standard of execution, um, and just making sure that I have the bandwidth to be able to provide to the team members, what they need through that process. My biggest learning piece so far is has been I can't want for somebody more than they want for themselves. Yeah, words to so, live by. Yep, exactly.
0: It's also and a that's frustration amazing. as being a leader is uh when you've got a team member that you can see that uh, you know, they could be like freaking fantastic. I can see it in them and they can't see it in themselves. And yeah. uh so that's uh, so how do you how do you balance that when there is promise there, but they can't see it? There's only so much time you've got because you've got your own uh, business to get uh, get done as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. So that's a lot about the big why conversation. So we talk a lot about their whys and why they're moving forward, what's motivating them, what's driving them. If they're falling short of that, I found it very impactful to go back to their whys really pull on the strings of what's been motivating them to get to this point in time. If they're not seeing that value in themselves and and how they're driving their business, driving their world, creating their success with their friends, their family that they've been looking for, we go back to the pain points. Because one thing we know is that human nature, people move from pain to pleasure far faster than they move from pleasure to pleasure and down the line. yeah, so we pull on those negatives of the what-ifs if you're not able to accomplish the goals that you've set out. You don't have the confidence in yourself. I can appreciate that. What does it look like if you haven't accomplished X, Y, Z that you set out for yourself as a goal at the start of the year? By the end of the year, you're no longer able to afford A, B, and C for your kids. Disneyland's off the table, and that investment property that you were planning on so you can begin to plan for your retirement is no longer going to be an option. You've got to wait another year to accomplish it. Are you okay with all of that, right? And it it can be pretty painful with
0: conversations. And I think we really have to uh, help people see the consequences of their uh, action or inaction. And uh, so it all comes back to that level of trust that you build with your agents. Because when there's a lot of trust there, you can have real conversations without people feeling disrespected. And also uh, letting you know their boss down. When you don't have that level of trust and connection, then those are awful conversations for everybody.
1: Well, I'll put a quick asterisk in that that statement there. So I will never, unless it's an administrator that's working on my team, I will never call myself a boss. I'm a team lead, and I'm yes. going to support them in their initiatives. And I think there's a really big dynamic there with most teams where they can cons- the top level CEO considers himself the boss. We have to remember that we work with independent contractors and they're actually providing us with an income through the process, and we're providing them with the service in return that's supporting their business to grow and be successful. So I make sure that I, I don't use the term boss with my team members. I'm absolutely not that. I'm there to support them and mentor them with success and support It is. And what's
0: with the title they have to use, Your Majesty? That oh, seems okay. a little yeah. overkill. Yeah, that was an <laughs> offline conversation. <laughs> so I said, so, Keller Williams, uh, and I see a KW hat on.
1: As a it's lot actually of. I KW, these... the but I incorporated the Keller Williams logo into it. Nice. Our logo, yeah.
0: uh, the other stuff I can't see so clearly right now. Uh, yeah. The one thing that uh, is kind of interesting is a lot of these firms are also uh, looking at into the future. How do we stay relevant? How do we grow? And then you've got uh, disruptors coming in. Uh, that may have technology or a better model or supposedly a better model. So there's a lot of movement of teams and individuals going around right now. Uh, but a good example would be, uh, what's the new one that's come in that's got uh, very much a downline uh, strategy? EXP, there's Leap. Yeah, there's a few of those. Not, not Leap, and, sorry,
1: real, real.
0: Yeah. And... Uh, where do you see that kind of panning out? Because one of these companies is going to really get the future right and step into it. And I know Keller Williams has been at the forefront of that. Uh, are they, do they still have the finger on the pulse, do you think? Uh, I think they have the finger on the
1: pulse in terms of maintenance for their business model and providing value propositions for uh, the members that align with their vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there will always be real estate agents that are greener pasture agents. Yes, it's always greener on the other side and you'll make a switch and then you'll make a switch again. I've watched colleagues over the last six years switch brokerages four times, five times. And the one thing that I have learned in my career outside of real estate coming into this uh, through and not just my career, but everything is is about maintenance of consistency. So when you create an interrupter in your world um, Mm -hmm. that significantly creates waves and bumps, which includes shifting brokerages because of. A thousand dollars difference, ten thousand dollars difference, uh, virtual platforms versus in person platforms, whatever it is. When you create these interrupters, these disruptors in your, your life patterns, it takes a significant portion of time six months, a year, two years to get yourself realigned and back in momentum to the point where you already were. So, yes. Where it makes sense, regardless of what business it is, I don't care what brokerage it is, EXP, Real, Coldwell Banker, Keller Williams, is when you're in alignment with the people that you are in business with. And, you know Keller has the thing, and I think it's not just Keller's lo- slogan or model or whatever that you're a reflection of the top five people that you spend the most time around, that you that you hang out with. Um, I hang out with some pretty big people. You know I'm I'm always looking to level myself up financially uh, professionally, socially, friendship wise, family wise, um, and the people that I spent time with at the brokerage that I've chosen to align myself with are, are pretty significant in my world. Brilliant. That's the reason that I, yeah, it's the reason I choose them and it's, 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 it should be the number one reason that anybody would choose an alternate platform. I think that all of these platforms are going to exist in varying capacities, five years, 10 years down the road. And you can choose to be a boutique brokerage with five agents, or you can choose to be a mega brokerage with 5,000 agents. It's really about those top five people that you're surrounding
0: yourself with on the journey. Brilliant. Uh, last couple of questions, Jeff. Uh, number one, what makes you happy? What brings joy to your life? Yeah, my family. My kids. Nice. Yeah. And how about at work? What brings you joy at work?
1: Succeeding. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a high D personality, I'm a driver, so nice. I'm very motivated by success in driving. Um, but it, like I said, will kind of alluded to at the start. When I first started in real estate, it was financial, right? I, I had no money, I'd been out of a job for 14 months, and I was driven to make sure my family was fed, and I grew very quickly. And so once you achieve a certain financial platform, you realize it isn't all about that. So it became about my clients at that point in time. Um, and helping them succeed. And that's been a big motivator for me. My most recent change to that, or my most recent motivation change that came out in 2020 was my decision to start the team because nice. I was feeling somewhat unfulfilled. Um, I didn't have enough people around me that I was helping, but I felt very frustrated when I would mentor a number of the agents in the brokerage, because they wouldn't do the things that I would suggest that they do. They wouldn't take action and I ultimately was wasting my time by even talking to them about ideas that were working. So, when I started the team, it was to help a couple of individuals to create a platform of wealth for themselves and a successful journey that could help them create something significant for their families, much like I do for my clients in investing. And that okay. that has been my biggest reward the past two years, aside from growing my own business, is is helping helping them. With theirs, I get a real
0: charge and a real reward out of helping the people in my world to succeed and being a part of their journey as well. Brilliant. Uh, What's one tip you would give uh, people in the industry that would make them stronger, better, faster, more productive? What's one mind hack you'd like to share?
1: I don't think it's a mind hack. Um, It's consistency of the thing. Nothing that we do in life successfully is a sprint. It's a marathon. And when you do the same thing consistently over and over and over again, it's bloody boring and it's incredibly successful. What I've learned through our coaching platforms and our our mentorship is that it takes two 90 day cycles to create true momentum, true full momentum where you're, you're doing the thing where that phone's going to start picking itself up and calling you back rather than you having to call out and do the dials out and do all these things. And when you do that same thing consistently day over day over day and you stick to your schedule your world is massive over time with all the clients you generate and the business that you create but we as as, as agents as humans we have a tendency to get off of the thing that isn't providing us with instant results it's not a mind <laughs> act it's a it's the simplicity of our business
0: it's uh what's the, what's the bold law it's simple it's not easy Superb. Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation.
1: Yeah, great to meet you, Mar. I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you for your time.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.